Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Uh, we have our special uh, social distancing episode today. Uh, for those of you that are watching on video as opposed to just listening on audio, we are spread out just all across the building uh, at at least six foot intervals. Uh, so uh, above me uh, there, also in the same room as me, but on the opposite side of the room, we have Don Bazette. Don, how you doing? I am doing great. We have a solid, what, like 20 feet of social yeah, distancing, which honestly, I kind of like on a regular day. No, it's a good, it's, it's, it's a smart <laughs> move. Um, and then uh, up in the upper left there, uh, over in Studio 3 here at the IT TV Studios, we have Daniel Lowry. Daniel, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, sounds nice. <laughs> As always. And then Justin is uh, is a confusing one because he's in Studio 7 here, which has a background to look like the lobby of the building. <laughs> um, so I'm extremely confused, but Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks. Um, real quick, I think the door lock is on the outside, and I haven't been able to get out all day. Yep, and so we're also joined uh, by uh, our special guest today, William Price, who's the founder of CyberX Cybersecurity Services. And William, I don't know exactly where you are, but I assume you're more than six feet away from me. Where, where are you located from today? We're in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, that is uh, that is plenty of distance. So I think we are all safe. And uh, welcome to the show. And uh, uh, it's good to have you here. And I know we, uh, we've got some some business coming up with you and stuff. And so, um, you know, I don't want to give it away. Let's just jump right into our first segment, uh, which is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, William, this is the rapid fire round. You'll have 45 seconds to a minute to answer the questions. You run out of time and boom, we're going to buzz you and move on. And the first question is going to come from Peter. Yes, it is. So um, why don't you just give us kind of a little bit of a rundown of CyberX and, and well, you're the founder. So, so what led you to, to start CyberX? Uh, before we started CyberX, I'd been doing some pen testing for some of the larger uh, tier organizations. And after working with them, uh, finding the uh, gaping holes they had in their security, and about the same time when a friend who had a small business was breached, and I began to realize the need the small business have, being that they are the majority of our economy, uh, and they are often overlooked by a lot of vendors, uh, that's why I started CyberX to help small and mid-sized businesses improve security. Well, he made it under the, the, the flame, so I guess I'm going to have to go. Uh, so what is this SMB Cyber Summit? And in particular, I noticed registration opened April 1st. Is this just some kind of joke? <laughs> nope. I actually never thought about April's uh, <laughs> day, but uh, yeah. So the SMB Cyber Summit is a online summit, virtual summit, that we are partnering with a lot of our friends. Uh, we're hosting um, April 27th to May 1st. Uh, it's a five-day summit with uh, multiple sessions each day, helping small and mid-sized businesses um, improve their cybersecurity, mitigate risk, and build lasting and effective security programs. So now I, I know I, I'm a small business owner, and the idea of running a business and putting on a conference at the same time seems like an absolute nightmare for me. So for you, cybersecurity, obviously, that's a just a huge industry right now, tons of activity, breaches happening all the time. How do you manage to run your business and run a conference at the same time? 
Uh, prioritization, uh, setting up checklists, um, lots of small little goals that uh, eventually meet the big picture. So get a little bit done every day. Sounds like a lot of fun. Let's go back to uh, CyberX. I've, I've got a question about that because it seems really interesting sure. and more up my alley. Uh, I'm just looking at what you guys offer. You offer things like pen testing and training, regulatory compliance. Um, what part do you enjoy the most? I probably like penetration testing the best. Um, it's just fun to be able to break, break into things. Um, and then we always find things that the organizations had no idea were even on their network and it's sort of fun to bring them to that realization, the weaknesses they have that need to be fixed. Do you have like a big reveal on Mori Povich? <laughs> like that kind of deal? <laughs> the lie detector said you were running that bad version of SMB. <laughs> I think the, probably the best example is a pen test we did in the fall um, for a large organization. And uh, they were pretty well locked down. They have a large cybersecurity budget. Uh, they're in the financial space. But we were able to break into room booking devices uh, that were Windows-based OS and had anonymous root FTP access. And we were able to break into those to drop off our malicious payloads. I love those stories when it's like the little random thing that you don't think about <laughs> in the back. So uh, going back to the uh, to the conference for just a second, um, at my last question here for Rapid Fire is, is Adam Gordon the best possible speaker that you could get? Adam Gordon is definitely one of a kind. Um, he's probably been doing security for longer than I've been alive, so he's one of the guys you listen to. I think he just called Adam old. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's, that was yeah, my key takeaway. Like, that old Late fogey's ages. got security out of lock. But we should mention, here. yeah, Adam yeah. is uh, speaking at the event, and uh, uh, his topic is 50 Shades of Grey, Ostriches, and Sandboxes, Myths That Explain Why the Modern Enterprise is Broken. I, I I love the title and, and I'm intrigued and now I'm going to sign up uh, as I should. And, and if people want to sign up uh, for that, where, where do we do that? Um, it is smbcybersummit.com. Perfect. And I didn't buzz you at all um, for going over time because I have no idea what the time is because uh, I moved to the other side of the room that doesn't have the clock. Um, so I've got two monitors of myself. Well, I, he, he actually made it. We have Was like 38 seconds left in the yeah. whole segment. How so. would you like to spend that time then, Justin? Well, you know, I actually have a, a question oh, I'd like no. to sneak yeah. in, which yeah. is uh, what this conference, was it an in-person conference and then you had to like retrofit it as online or was it always online? No, it was actually always online. Um, started, we did a, a conference uh, intended to be a webinar in the fall on the new California consumer privacy regulations for a lot of our customers. And it outgrew a webinar and became a summit. Uh, it was a three-day summit and all the attendees loved it so much and asked us to do something again this year. So yeah, it actually started off as a virtual summit. Or he knew about this ahead of time <laughs> somehow. And, the conspiracy. Yeah. We'll never know. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move over to our next segment now, which is a brand new segment um, that we just uh, just came up with. Now I've got to find the intro for it here. Oh, yes. It is uh, Milkshake Duck. My milkshake brings all the to the yard. I could teach you, but I hate So very proud of that intro. Uh, so for those that aren't familiar with the term milkshake duck, uh, we should explain it first. Uh, a milkshake duck is basically something that starts off great and wholesome and everyone's excited about, and then you find out something about its past, 
and uh, and it's terrible. So uh, the the example they use, milkshake duck, is oh look at this cute milkshake. It or this cute milkshake, this cute duck. It's drinking a milkshake. Oh, we forgot to inform you. We found out the duck is a racist. Um, so today's uh, milkshake uh, duck topic, which is such a weird thing to say, <laughs> uh, is Zoom. And Dot, you brought this topic uh, to us. Why why is Zoom a milkshake duck? Because I think aren't they doing great things now? And hey, Zoom's free for everybody. All right. So Zoom, uh, you know, they, they have been kind of the Cinderella story of the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, and really, just over like the last eight or nine years, Zoom has been growing year over year. They're a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, and when the coronavirus outbreak hit and people started having to work from home, Zoom stepped up and said, look, we've already got the product out there for businesses and we're going to remove the 40 minute time limit for consumers and just anybody with a free account. So you can effectively use zoom to run your classroom, run your business, interact with your family, you know, and it was really an amazing thing. It, it makes you feel like the future it makes you feel like the Jetsons, right? I can see people right on my tablet, that kind of thing. And that made them a, a big shiny example of what tech companies could do to step up and help people. But that only lasted for a handful of days. Right. And then all of a sudden we started getting, well, so it was funny stuff at first, right? Like there was the, the viral video going around of the meeting of 16 people and one lady in there goes to the bathroom and forgets her video is on. Right. And it's, it's funny, but mortifying at the same time. <laughs> uh, and now we've started to see more things come out and the articles I, I don't think are going to stop. So uh, one of the first ones I saw was it was on uh, PCGamer.com and the headline was PSA. Zoom will narc to your boss if you're tabbed out during a meeting. A lot of people don't realize that the Zoom process actually monitors all of the other running processes on your computer. And if you've put the window in the background after 30 seconds, it, it actually tells the meeting organizer. And the meeting organizer can pull up the logs afterwards to see, was it held in focus or not? And it's designed for classrooms, so the teachers know if you're paying attention. I think that's fine, though, because I could say I was taking notes in my in my other tab on, on Microsoft I, Word. I, I feel like I'd just spin up a virtual machine and start the Zoom meeting there, and then just go to my regular machine and do whatever I feel well, like. Does this count as Mac virtual desktops? What if I full screen it on a virtual desktop, and then I just switch over? Does it still? Hmm. So on a Mac, when you switch desktops, that is now a background process. Uh, yep. I mean... Um, <laughs> I'm always attentive. <laughs> I mean, you can solve it with just getting a second computer, but the, the privacy concern is, you know, that it is basically monitoring all these other non-processes. And then turns out the Zoom iOS app was sharing information with Facebook, regardless of whether or not you had logged into Facebook. So you may not have a Facebook account at all. And it was still sharing a, a lot of telemetry data with them. Uh, there was a Norwegian school that ended up having yes. to stop yeah. using Zoom. Uh, you want this headline, Peter? No, you go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> a Norwegian school quit using video calls after a naked man guessed the meeting link. So, unless it was an anatomy class, apparently that's a problem. Peter, I told you about that. <laughs> what, yeah. what they didn't know is Zoom is just a synonym for chat roulette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, we're going to have clout. Whoa, that's a wiener. Well, yeah, um, I, I think he was probably surprised, too. I don't think that's the meeting he was looking for. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Maybe so, he was. Maybe. Can't you just request a different... Like Zoom, like URL. I don't. I like. Yeah. I don't want to minister hours. Yep. You, well, so the thing is with Zoom, you when you create a conference, it gets a random number, right? So those are hard to guess. But you can create a vanity room number, right? Um, we use those uh, at yeah. ITPTV for some of our meetings. Yeah, give some of them out. And so <laughs> with the schools, they had set up some that were predictable, and so the man was able to guess one of them. So he, he likely either 
hopefully didn't have a child, but had a child in one of the courses or or knew someone else to be able to figure out what that name was. Billy, is that your dad? <laughs> <laughs> was, was making a child for one of the courses. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> William, do you use uh, Zoom at, at your office? Um, not for meetings. What just is, just for calling Norwegian schools? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've we've used it a couple of times for recording things, but uh, okay. I, yeah. typically I don't use any free software. So for you guys, uh, do you have all of your staff located in one location, or are you spread out? You know, I know a lot of pen testing companies have people all over the planet. Yeah, we're spread out. So, so how do you remote conference or uh, or do your meetings? We use the Microsoft stack. Oh, yes, we're on on Teams as well, and I think we've got a Teams article a little bit later uh, about Slack. So we'll, we'll definitely get to that. But uh, so so you're saying, Don, that I mean, Zoom is a milkshake duck here because bad things are happening, but they're not doing these things on purpose. Well, sharing information with Facebook, Facebook, that was kind mm, of on purpose. Kind of purpose and, right. uh, you know, uh, reporting all your process information, that's on purpose. But that's and- a feature. Well, you know, we had that big security vulnerability last July where uh, on a Mac, when you install the Zoom client and installed a, a little web server so they could bypass some of the authentication prompts. And it was done to make it easier to install, but it resulted in you having a terribly insecure workstation. And they ended up having to push out uh, rapid hot fixes. Apple had to actually step in and block that process. So Zoom, like any company, is a growing company. They're, they're making changes. They're, they're trying to do good things. But... Uh, just like that guy in the red sweater during the Ken uh, Bone. Hall. Ken oh, Bone. You remember his name? I do. Because I was talking with other people today about milkshake ducks uh, ahead of this segment. Yep. So everybody liked him for a couple of days, then you learn a little more about him, and it all falls apart. It all falls apart. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, Zoom is is worth every penny um, that you're paying for it. Yeah, you know, I will say we, we do still use Zoom. We use Zoom for our big meeting in the morning, yeah. uh, which we'll have 60 people in there, and it runs great. I'm going to have a background. I'm going to have a background of a Norwegian school now behind me tomorrow. In, in our... hey, have you seen the fun people are having with the backgrounds? It's, it's out of control. Uh, my favorite one so far is the Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, I didn't see that. The guy got the black background with the, the three faces, and then he wears a black shirt, and it's in the place of the fourth face. It's pretty perfect. awesome. Okay. <laughs> Now I got I got a plan for tomorrow. So if we have a, a a room all together, is there any way that I can change Peter's background? Oh. I don't know. I don't think that's a feature right now. <laughs> Thank God. I feel like I need to be able to change Peter's background. Be like, oh, did you see Peter? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Nazis. Swastikas <laughs> on the roof. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we're in my guest room. Copy of Mind Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can put something in my hand in the background. Oh, um, we have a team that All can right. do it. If there's ever been a time to take a break, I think this is a great one uh, to get me out of this conversation. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with the news right after this on Technative with Dr. Zed. Are you a career changer or a budding tech pro who's looking to start their career in IT? I'm Wes Bryan, and along with my fellow IT Pro TV edutainer, Cherokee Boos, we've just shot a new show just for you. Each week, we'll dive into topics to help you launch your career in tech. Watch how to get started in IT on YouTube now. Just head to youtube.com forward slash IT Pro TV to watch and look for new episodes every Saturday at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizzette. We just spent the entire break uh, explaining to Justin what a milkshake duck is again because he, he wasn't quite up to speed on it. So, Justin, you good now? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just a duck. I mean, it's a, you, it's a racist duck. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> have you ever met a duck, like a male duck who's like territorial? I have not met a duck. Uh, yeah. So, if you're just stash. walking around like waterfowl, ducks, geese, if they're territorial, they like come and like nip at you and bite you, and they're no, it's because they're racist. Uh, yeah. Against gingers? <laughs> yeah. Is that a, a race? That's a thing. That's a race. According, uh. according to ducks everywhere. Hey, well, let's go ahead and get to our <laughs> news segment. Uh, our first article is over at Engadget.com. Microsoft will pause optional non-security Windows updates in response to the public health situation. Microsoft will focus on security updates. So this one was a little strange to me because unless there's a, an issue with their ability to... Um, create these updates because, you know, they're working from home or they've got, you know, weird situations there. What What's the reason that they would want to pause them? So Microsoft's on a bit of a tear right now where they've been releasing updates and in a small percentage, like you know, 1% or even smaller in some scenarios, uh, the updates can cause a computer not to boot or break other functionality. So anytime you add new features, there's always a risk that you introduce new bugs. So what they're saying is, look, we're going to call a pause on new features and we're just going to push out security updates right now. And we're doing that because people need to stay secure, but we don't want to break their computers, especially if they're having to work from home. They're already being disrupted. We want to minimize that. But while all that makes sense, if you dig down, they, they say that they're going to pause them starting May 1st, which is kind of late in the game, right? Like we're going to have a month of quarantine here basically through April, and they're going to pause the updates at the end of it. Seems like they should have started that right away. I don't know why they've delayed on that one. What? What is the distribution of like non-security versus security updates that have broken a computer? Like, if they pause these, is there going to be a substantial difference between updates possibly breaking your computer or causing boot issues? Users aren't installing updates anyway, so. <laughs> well, I think in Windows 10 Home, you don't have an option, right? Uh, you can make it stop, but it's it's kind of a workaround to make it stop. Uh, okay. Make it stop. Yeah. I mean, Peter doesn't update, but. No, but I, I haven't done a Windows update in forever. I'm on a Windows Mac. 7 still, so. <laughs> but yes, I continue Seven. to every morning have to push that button that says, remind me tomorrow. Windows ME, baby. ME. Well, it is interesting. Sometimes they push feature updates that seem really simple, you know, like an update to Microsoft Paint. But then it turns out that Paint was leveraging Explorer, and Explorer was, you know, used in the file system navigation, and so they did an update there that went alongside it, and then all of a sudden something malfunctions. And some of their bigger feature updates will actually do, like, file migrations and things, and and you end up with situations where drivers don't work, other things don't come across, and you end up with a machine that's messed up. So they're just going to take a pause, which which makes sense to me. The only thing that doesn't make sense here is the fact that they're waiting until May 1st, but that's, that's what's happening. Does this affect you if you're on, like, the insider's ring or anything like that? I don't think it affects the insider's ring. I think this is just normal production. Gotcha. And and if you have a WSUS server, you know, your uh, uh, the Windows Update server, then in that case, you would manage it there. But these are just regular updates coming right from Microsoft. Gotcha. William, are you a, a Windows shop or or Mac or, or a Linux guy? Maybe I I might guess that you're on Kali Kali Linux. Yeah, we use all of the above. <clears throat> all right. Well. No special fun updates for you guys then, I guess. <laughs> or anybody. Does anybody here use Windows on, on our? I do. On Technator? Nate does, right? Oh, on Technator? Yeah. I was yeah. using. I mean, normally you're using. Yeah. You're using Windows normally, Doug? I'm like 50-50. I go back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's move over to our next article. Uh, this one is from ZDNet, which, wow, 
normally the ads are bad enough for me, but now I've got two uh, coronavirus updates uh, from ZDNet that are covering the headline, so I'll move those. Uh, European users reporting they're hitting Azure capacity constraints. Some Microsoft Azure Cloud customers in Europe are reporting that they're hitting capacity limits uh, and unable to sign or to spin up virtual machines in their region. So the question I had about this is, it seems like we, we talked about Netflix last week um, asking users to ramp down uh, or asking, no, the, the EU was asking Netflix to to, uh, right. to slow down to, uh, you know, 720 or something. And now we're seeing this and they're, they're both European things. So is this just, you know, the the networks in, in, the, in the US are better able to handle, you know, this change in, in traffic or, uh, you know, why is this just affecting the EU? So in, in this scenario, it, it really isn't just affecting the EU. It's, it's really not affecting the EU either. Like, I, I've had a lot of people come and ask me, hey, Don, uh, are we going to run out of bandwidth? Uh, is the bandwidth on the internet backbones going to be uh, an issue with all of all these people working from home and all this increased traffic? And the reality is there is a lot of extra bandwidth in the backbones. And edge technologies have advanced so far that like when you watch a Netflix video, a lot of times you're not crossing an internet backbone. You're hitting your ISP and your ISP already has a caching server right there or their upstream ISP does. So it's rare that big content is being pushed across those main links. So what happened in, in Europe was they were just concerned that it might become an issue. And so they pushed for Netflix and now YouTube and Hulu and several others have all switched to a lower quality stream by default. But it's not really necessary. It wasn't necessary then. It's not really necessary now. They're just kind of doing it as a preventative measure. But what I found interesting, and I threw a second article alongside this one, kind of the same story, was that uh, some users that are spinning up resources in Azure, especially in Europe, uh, are hitting capacity limits, right? Microsoft Azure reported they've had a 775% surge in demand in lockdown regions. And so I, I had to dig real hard to find good... Uh, uh, good numbers. Like there are very few companies who are actually putting out their numbers on this stuff. Uh, but a huge increase in the the amount of like Teams usage and other things. And they've got the capacity. They're scaling up to be able to handle it. But with a lot of these cloud providers, they only have so much hardware. And they're having to make a choice right now, which is we could buy more hardware to support this current surge, even though we know a month or two from now the surge is going to be gone. Or we can just make people use other regions. So if I'm going to deploy a server in Ireland right now, I might not be able to ha do that. I might hit capacity. So then I have to deploy in France instead or, or even further away and just deploy in, in Virginia you know, where, where most of our stuff is. So you know, it's up to you to kind of figure out where you need to move that data. So nobody's totally out of resources yet, but we are having to make some slightly different decisions. So, so as the resident simpleton here, why, why is this creating any issue? Because if I'm, if I'm at the office, I'm just watching Tiger King on Netflix at the <laughs> office versus at home. Like, why, why is it more bandwidth? Just more people are doing more high-intensity things? Yeah, that's really what it is, is the video calls, right? Oh, the video so calls. So if, yeah. if everybody were here in the office, we wouldn't be doing video calls. But now everybody goes home, and they're doing video calls. Their kids are doing video calls for school. You know, that's going on. And also people are just bored. If you're working from home, you might fire up Tiger King on that second monitor versus at work, you might not because, you know, you're supposed to be working. So oh. there's just a, an increased amount of video traffic and video traffic can be kind of hefty. And so is this, uh, is some of the surge brought on, like this is Microsoft scaling some of their own services. Like, let's just say you're doing video calls and Teams. Is that also attributing to, that was something that I had trouble like kind of teasing apart. Like not all of that surge is like me 
logging into the Azure portal and going, I need more servers or more virtual desktops. Some of that has to do with Microsoft scaling their own services, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of both. So like right now, I'm, I might say, look, I need people to go work from home, but we don't have any laptops, so they're going to use their home machine. So for better security, we're going to do a bunch of virtual desktops. So I'm going to go into Azure and launch 200 virtual desktops, right? So now that that's me consuming part of Microsoft's capacity. And if I'm not the only one doing that, if thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people are doing the same thing, then Microsoft is going to run out of the physical hardware to be able to back up those virtual resources. And so that's where they start to run out of capacity. So, so William, you, you mentioned that you guys are kind of uh, spread out anyway as it is. So, um, you know, you were kind of doing this before. Have you noticed any difference? I mean, because I don't have a baseline of, you know, how the quality is supposed to look on, on the Zoom calls from my house or, uh, or things like that. Have you noticed any changes in, in things uh, since more people have been doing the work from home thing? In some ways, um, I've noticed bandwidth being slower at some points, uh, but it hasn't been detrimental or anything. And from the, the security standpoint, would you say that people are more at risk at home than at the office, or is it pretty much the same kind of threat surface we've always had? I would say they're more at risk at home. Um, coming from a social engineering perspective, um, which is all our best way into our organization. <clears throat> if we're doing a social engineering engagement, we typically get 50% click rate. We, we get passwords every time. But when users are at home, they are more distracted. Uh, there's more things happening, children running around because the children are at home too. And not to forget the hackers are all sitting at home as well, wherever they are. Plus I'm really distracted by watching Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm like, man, I got yeah, a Tiger click on that. King email. Yeah. Got to see that. Well, you know, uh, I know you can't divulge any customer information, but do you have any active tests that are going on right now that are able to take advantage of the current situation? Um, no active penetration testing. Um, those have all mostly been pushed back uh, because of client needs. But um, for some of the managed um, security awareness training, yes, we have taken advantage of COVID-19. That brings up an interesting uh, point. Um, uh, back in October, I was at Wild West Hackenfest, and I was talking to a bunch of the pen testers there, and they were saying they were really trying to push for more remote work, trying to save the customers money that they could spend on, you know, um, more pen tests and <laughs> or other things, mitigations and stuff. Are you seeing that that this might trend pen testing to more remote work? Um, I'm thinking it might. Uh, there's been a few engagements that want it to change from physical to remote, so which is fine with us. Uh, we just send a computer connects back to our VPN and we do our tests. So, so do you think because of like things getting pushed back, you just said that we have some of these engagement pushback, which kind of spurred into my mind six months from now, are we going to see like an uptick in breaches because now people are going to have longer to poke around or yeah, am that, I just being, that, unfortunately that's what I'm anticipating. Mm. Well, the, the news for 2020 just gets better every day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> America. So, hey, we fixed this uh, coronavirus thing, and uh, you know it's it's summer, and now you've all been breached. But I, I did see a guy say that. Uh, are you really surprised that we have to tell people to wash their hands now? I mean, it was just three years ago we had to tell them not to eat Tide Pods. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which are so I'm like, good. I'm, I'm guessing those would have killed yeah. any viruses. I'm. What if it turns out that's the cure? <laughs> to Tide Pods. Tide Pods. Maybe it was the yeah. impetus. Yeah, the cure is being. <laughs> there was a bat eating Tide Pods. <laughs> you can't have coronavirus if you're dead. 
yeah. That's, that's a true statement. I, go say that I don't right think now. that is. I was about to say, I see Justin move. It's like, hold on, you might be able to still be a carrier. You can be a, a carrier, but you're not going to have to. Yeah, for a limited amount of time because the virus needs a host cell to replicate. Yeah. Sure. So don't try to do CPR is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. DNR for all yeah. of us right DNR, now. Bro. All right, uh, let's move over now to TheVerge.com and kind of sticking with the same thing here uh, and talking about remote work and stuff. Slack is working on Microsoft Teams integration for calls. Microsoft and Slack might be working together. So um, what the hell is this? Yeah, what's going on here? So, <laughs> just, what, like, is, what does Slack use right now for for video calls? Is, was it their own thing? Yeah, they have their own thing. Okay. Yep. So Slack, which uh, was the Silicon Valley darling for a while, much much like Zoom, uh, for allowing easy inner office chat and video, uh, you know they they were doing really well. Uh, in fact, they're doing well right now. They're up to 12 million concurrent users, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Microsoft decided last year it was time to eat. Slack's lunch and <laughs> bolstered up their Teams offering. Uh, Teams is now up to 44 million concurrent users. Uh, so they are significantly larger market share now than Slack. So Slack is is basically struggling to, to find some way to continue growth, to continue dominating that market. And they've decided one way to do it is if they can integrate with Teams, because there are a lot of employees where they don't have a choice. They have to use Teams. So even if they like Slack, they can't use it, mm-hmm. as Peter reminds me often. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, for the better animated GIF support, yeah. GIF support or whatever. Oh, we won't start that one. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyhow, uh, so Slack came up with a novel idea, which was Microsoft publishes APIs for doing the Teams calls. And so they are updating Slack to be able to interact with that API so you can potentially make voice calls in between the two. Now, they're working on voice calls now, video calls to follow, right? But it is all relying on Microsoft's API, which means Microsoft can turn this functionality off at a moment's notice whenever they want. But Slack is hoping that this will be a way to make it where their product stays relevant, stays active, and is able to coexist with Teams. Since I, I would say this is the signal where they're saying, hey, we can't defeat Teams. Let's try and coexist. Man, I bet Slack is going, we should have sold because Microsoft tried to acquire them, right? Yeah. You know, that's happened a few times over the years where companies pass on an acquisition Yahoo. and then... Yahoo was the big one, right? Yeah, or Twitter. You know, Twitter passed numerous times, and now now nobody will buy Twitter. It's like a pariah. I, you know what? I bet if they had a Teams integration, someone would buy them. <laughs> I, if, if they integrated with Slack. So real that. quick, does the Teams API provide posting messages through API access? Yeah. So I could build a Slack integration for their gift support into Teams. <gasps> so you, you can kind of already achieve that with, uh, oh, what's the new name? Um, uh, shoot, Power Automate. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Power Apps. Yeah, what, what used to be Flow. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you can you can tie the two together through there. Justin, do it. <laughs> I, I'm not the one worried about it, Peter. I know. I, I feel like you no, need no, to I, learn something. Well, if, if, if you don't think you know how, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really where I'm concerned because Don just said, and they can turn that API off at a moment's notice. <laughs> Once they see quote. those sweet gifts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just noticed this mannequin is still next to me. You know, my email allows me to send whatever GIF I want. Yeah. <laughs> Odd. It's weird. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I bet, I bet if we were really crazy, we could figure out a way to take those GIFs and send them to the color printer so you can make flip books. <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> now we're really going back in time. <laughs> Actually, 
That sounds like a great project. Someone write that down. I don't have any way to write it. That's, down. that's a great sitting at home project right now. <laughs> look, Ooh, look, look at that. that. Look, it's I made a Tiger meme. King. <laughs> Out of a whole ream of paper. <laughs> also, these trees are dead. <laughs> now, what's funny is when I first heard Tiger King, I thought, this is a weird restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> They're going down a road I didn't expect. <laughs> weird restaurants. I watched Better Call Saul last night, and they, yeah. they had a meeting where they all had. All, this is not a spoiler, don't worry. They all had. Uh, they all uh, died. All, yeah. all that was the end of the show. It was yeah. weird. And that was weird. Yeah, and they, no one called Saul. Uh, but they had different restaurants, and one of the restaurants was called Luftwaffel. <laughs> nice. And I was like, that's, that's clever. Yeah, I know. But, it goes right up your alley, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Dang it. All right. Isn't there a Pollo Armanos in town? Uh, or something like that? There's a Pollo Loco? Or? Yeah, Pollo No, there's yeah. a Pollo Loco, but on uh, 43rd, there's right next to the Zaxby's. Isn't there like a Pollo Armanos? I got to think somebody copyrighted that after. Yeah, one, one would think. Or, or that's where we can go get met. <laughs> <That's pretty good. laughs> yeah, like, it looks like rock candy. I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, I also, I, I have a lot of energy. Yeah, I want to clean. <laughs> <laughs> Meth. Also... A cure, right now. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it is not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, not end up in a, in a like a deposition. Oh. That is not the cure. Uh, did Mister Ravan Rasdom mention <laughs> that methamphetamines was a cure for? Co- why is it I don't Matt know why he's why, why is Matlock doing the deposition? <laughs> he's got like a string tie. All, all depositions have to be done by That's a southern true. gentleman. That's right. That's, That's true. true. All right, uh, let's move over now to uh, Pharonix.com. Oh, I touched my face. I've been doing it the whole time. I got like, it now. Yeah. I just got done like holding a sanitary with a Clorox wipe for like 15 minutes. I'm like, I think I'm fine. Yeah, I've, I'm just going to touch my face so much after this is done. Just really get in there. All right, uh, Pharonix.com. Uh, <laughs> Linux 5.6 ships with broken Intel Wi-Fi driver after network security fixes go awry. Uh, so, so Don, why why would they have shipped it with that? All right, so I grabbed That's this article done. to specifically address the question that you asked earlier about, like, you know, how often do updates roll out that actually mess with an OS? You know, Microsoft pausing their updates. Well, in the Linux world, they don't pause updates. They keep doing it. It's up to the distros to choose. And the, uh, the latest Linux kernel, 5.6, shipped with some updates to their Intel Wi-Fi driver. And the updates were actually a security patch. They were, you know, working to, to fix some of the uh, vulnerabilities that have been detected uh, late last year. And one of those changes actually breaks the built-in Intel Wi-Fi driver. Now, if you're using the one that you get from Intel's site where you're downloading the closed source blob, uh, that one actually still works, but it's closed source, but people don't trust it. So it's the open source one that if you're using it, uh, it's actually broken in kernel 5.6. Now, fortunately, most distros are not running kernel 5.6 just yet, right? So uh, if you're running... Uh, RHEL, CentOS, even Ubuntu, you're not running on 5.6 yet, so it's not a problem. But if you're running one of the test builds that are running 5.6, or if you're planning on it, you need to hold off, and the update that fixes it will be in 5.6.1, which is due out uh, in just a couple of weeks. Hey, you know what? That security fix is technically right, because it can't be a security issue if you're not on the internet. That's true. Yeah, it's a, it's a super security fix. Yeah. I think William would probably disagree on that, right? Like air gap <laughs> systems are not immune. Oh, no, I'm not saying I've heard that many times as well. Yeah. I'm just saying in this context, they're like, ah, well, we fixed it. How? We can't get on the Internet. That's where this one came from. <laughs> we broke it. What do you say, William? Yeah, air gap's not the answer. <laughs> but that's what all of my government 
contacts say they're like it's fine it's air gapped i'm like but that, that guy's got a cell phone where's he going no, i've always <laughs> loved like the mission impossible where they've got the computer in the room that they have to drop down to and then you're like why why does it have a usb port on the front that's yeah. what's funny is like i think kaspersky put out a um they did some research that was like a year or two ago about how secure are these you know critical infrastructure scada systems things of that nature because they're air gapped they should be fine, right? And they found, yeah, it was like wicked insecure because they were going, you know what this oil uh, uh, meter needs is wireless internet access. Let me plug this, <laughs> you know, cell card into it. Man, I ain't got to get out my truck. It's amazing. And yeah, they were just connecting everything via wireless devices. Yeah, they just did that with uh, with the electric company that's out uh, on the side of town where I live. And I just had me thinking like, oh, this, this is going to just be a disaster. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Like what, Peter? You, you're the, as self-described, the simpleton of the crew. Well, uh, I think my bill could go up when someone hacks it and then... Or, or your bill down. could go down. Well, that's why I need you on my side, uh, Justin and Daniel. Now, we've been doing this podcast a while. How many times have we reported, hackers lower your bill? <laughs> yeah, Don, I'm just hoping against <laughs> hope that it happens. No, hackers lower their own bills. What are, yeah. What well, hackers, they they got to lower other people's bill because if there's only three people <laughs> in, that, in that service region, they're like, our bill went down. How much? <laughs> to a penny. Hackers eliminate all student loan debt. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Do it. I had a friend that used to work for Sally Mae, and he was like, could you? And I was like, no, don't ask me. <laughs> What's your friend's name? I need to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to go ahead and get this plan in action here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so uh, so hold off on updating uh, if you have not already on whatever Linux distro Real you're quick. using. Real quick. Go ahead. Is your wireless meter connected to your FOSCAM? You know, you guys joke a lot about my FOSCAM. And, I do. And first of all, it's in a it's in a drawer now. It's air gap. It's air gap. <laughs> <laughs> it's power gapped or whatever you call it. But I want I want to bring this FOSCAM on the show one time, or or just you know have it set up at home, and you know give Daniel whatever information he would have normally, like the username and password. Yeah. Pete. Well, that, that's available on the I'll internet. I'll take that. That's available on the internet, I think. Uh, but uh, I want I want to see you know you actually do this because you talk a big game. So I, I don't talk a big game. I just make fun of you. You do. <laughs> um, but you also make fun of me. So turnabouts fair fair play. Can we also pack it full of thermite? Yes. And, uh, and melt it afterward. Yeah. Can you buy thermite? You can. Buy oh, you don't need to buy thermite. I mean. Uh, anyway, what's this next thing we're doing? All right, let's. Uh, <laughs> Gainesville man arrested at construction site. No, <laughs> no, it's not illegal. On bleepingcomputer.com, uh, FBI. Uh oh, Justin. Uh, FBI says hackers are sending malicious USB drives and teddy bears via USPS, and so um, it's air gapped. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm thinking of uh, Don. We've done some webinars and things here where. Um, Wait, are the are the teddy bears USB? Teddy so this bears? is what I, this is what I, I was like. The way the headlines are written is you get a USB drive well, and no. then a teddy bear attacks you. <laughs> it's like a demonic teddy rex. Yeah, it just slices your Achilles tendon to the ground. That USB and plugs it into your child's computer. Play. Yeah, I was thinking I I, uh, I was thinking that the teddy bears had some kind of device in them, like a like a pineapple or a you know pumpkin or something like that, but like just shoved in the not a uh, pineapple. Man, this like, is going to turn for the worse. 
right. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, what's so this is the the age old tale that we've all heard. <laughs> you've taken any IT security training in the last like fifteen years. Uh, you've heard the story about the pen tester that sprinkles USB keys in the parking lot of a bank. Somebody picks it up. Obviously, you got to check the USB key to see if it has pictures on it. You know, plugs it into their work computer, and the machine is now compromised. And so we usually joke about that story. And the older a story gets, the more people just, you know, chalk it up to, you know, uh, I don't know. It's like Jonah and the Whale. It's just some old story that people tell. But we're finding out right now that it's, one, real, and two, still happening to this very moment. So hackers are distributing USB drives through a few different means, like just sprinkling them out, uh, sending them in a package. This one is actually coming in in a letter that is packaged with a a note from Best Buy saying, hey, you know, you've, uh, you've qualified to get a $50 gift card to Best Buy, and all you have to do is go to the website and punch in the unique code that's made just for you and is stored on the USB key. So you've got to plug in the USB key to get the code, and then you go to Best Buy's site or, or whatever. But at that point, the USB key is actually a, uh, on the inside, it is uh, emulating a keyboard. And so then it's able to start issuing commands in the background on your system. And so it has a payload that then reaches back to uh, command and control server somewhere. Uh, and then they're able to use that as the entry point to break into your machine and compromise it. So that just takes a matter of plugging in that USB key. And in this day and age, when people get a letter and it says they could get 50 bucks from Best Buy, people tend to do it. They tend to, to think that's uh, that's a reality. So uh, people are getting hit with this. They've been targeting a few different organizations, but you know this could affect anybody. So it just it, it pays to tell people that story about USB keys and and remind them uh, you know you don't want to just plug one in. And I think it was just a few weeks ago I found a USB key in our parking lot, and so I I, I he plugged it, it in. He plugged <laughs> it into Peter's computer. He's so, like this teddy bear is awesome. <laughs> Like a good IT professional, I took a laptop that had recently been erased that I knew had no data and was not connected to a network. So I had a, a machine that was erasable, uh, and I plugged the USB key into it. Now, there are USB killers out there where you plug them in, and they slowly charge, and they zap your port, so there's a risk of that. But I looked at the USB key, and it turned out to be mine. It fell out of my <laughs> backpack. <laughs> so I found my USB key. So this is something that's uh, appealing to greed, right? You're getting free Best Buy. But I just got a mailing yesterday about the new uh, COVID-19 guidelines from the CDC. That would be a perfect time to tape a USB key to it, yep. send it to them and go, now some of the new guidelines and research that we found was a little too much for a printout. Plug this in to find out more. Yeah, or you know, there's a video on the USB key yep. uh, with a Surgeon General announcement. Yeah. Now, now, Don, do you know how many uh, other people might have picked up that USB key and, and uh, taken your data while it was in the parking lot? And just put it back then? I don't know. Um, but it was actually a, a Ubuntu installation USB key, so it really wouldn't have mattered. Dang it. <laughs> and it got erased anyway. Plus, like, what are, the, what are the odds that some random hackers walking by and go, oh, a USB key, let me put some malware on it. Mm. Or this let fool. me plug it into my computer. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what hackers do. That's it. So, so uh, William, was this uh, was this your company uh, sending out the <laughs> keys uh, as a social networking or social uh, engineering, trying to get into people's systems? Um, no, uh, we've done things with USB keys in the past, but not sprinkle them in parking lots. God, I want to. I want to know so much more. Yeah. <laughs> so we just ran in and threw them at the reception. <laughs> we like, Plug this in, woman. <laughs> just a whole, just a ziploc bag full of them. Yeah. 
I'm like, go through them. One of them's got a prize. <laughs> go ahead, William. <laughs> it was a pen test on a bank. So we snuck in behind the cleaning crew after hours mm -hmm. and used it to add backdoor admin accounts to a bunch of computers. Nice. Oh, that's way less comical and more effective than what I proposed. It's certainly more effective. You, you know, because I guess if you sprinkle them in the parking lot, customers might pick them up. But if you just go in and plant them yourselves, you know exactly where they're deployed. I, I don't know why, but my mind just had him putting a gun to some person's head. Plug that into that computer right now. <laughs> Judge, I didn't put that malware on that system, I swear. I'm pretty okay. sure that's out of scope for their uh, yeah, also, is that... <laughs> What charge is that? That's a that's at least assault, right? Yeah. All right. So, question: You get permission from let Let's just you know say a bank, for example. You get permission to um, to to do a pen test from them. So, if you were to do something like sprinkle USB sticks in the uh, in the parking lot, and a customer picked them up and put it on their machine, and all of a sudden you have access to that, I mean, are, are you you're in a legal gray area then, right? Yeah, that is a legal issue. Um, and if we were to do something like that, we would have to take precautions to avoid um, such issues because um, legally that would be out of scope for the engagement. That, that would seem like an effective strategy employed at like a, an employees only parking lot. Like it would be yeah. hard to do in a, like a public facing institution. Yeah, if it was like their parking even garage. Even so though, if they took it home and plugged it in, yeah, even this if is... you had like in scope to plant it in the office of the you know CEO or whatever, if you picked it up and was like, oh, I'm gonna take this home. Plug it into my home computer. Or, or give it to my kid. They yeah, know, might be for out of scope. That's That seems to be a real sketchy area that you probably want to avoid. So what you're telling me is the gun to the head, forcible <laughs> plug-in. That's fine. A better route. Yeah, it's That's more, a way to go. Yeah, it's more clear. That makes more sense. Yeah, did it yeah. So I had, uh, I had talked to some of the folks over at Grim Cyber, and what they said they did is their command and control servers, they IP restricted them because they, you know, they had the scope document, so they knew the public IPs of the bank. And so they would only allow connections from the bank. Oh. That way, if a customer got it, it couldn't contact the CNC now, or 2C. But I mean, you still had the problem, though, if you installed a payload on somebody's machine, that's, that'll get you in trouble. So it's a, it's a tough, it's tough world to be a pen tester and stay on the How many the lawyers do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few, I bet. Hey, uh, so before, uh, before we let you go, William, I uh, just wanted to, uh, first of all, remind us again, what was that URL for the, um, for the conference, for the, uh, uh, SMB Cyber Summit coming up. It is smbcybersummit.com. That's so easy. And I don't know how I didn't remember that. And so they, uh, sign up. Uh, registrations opened up yesterday, so get in there now. Uh, and you can register right up to the event? Correct. Registration is free. And then there's uh, the upgrade options that you guys mentioned earlier. Definitely. Okay. And you can see Adam's uh, talk there as well as a bunch of other great talks. So definitely check that out. And if, if people want to learn more about uh, CyberX, uh, cybersecurity services, uh, what's the best way to reach you there? Um, they can check out our website, um, cyberx.tech, or they can check us out on Twitter at cyberxsecsec for security. And that's where we typically hang out. Cool. And you've got a YouTube channel as well, SMB Secure, Correct. that uh, uh, you do most of those videos, right? Correct. All right. That's why you have, I mean, it looks like you're in a Sears uh, photo studio from uh, from my childhood. So I, I like the, the But he's not crying and no one's That's going to look at the camera. <laughs> yeah, holding a teddy bear with USB keys. Going, yeah. <laughs> like, what's how you get out of the bottom of that? It's a pineapple. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's a pineapple. A teddy bear crapping a pineapple? Uh, uh, right. If only it was crapping. You misunderstood what I meant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to move on from that. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> we're going to let you know we've got a, a few webinars coming up uh, here at IT Pro TV. Uh, the next one is nurturing a learning culture remotely, keeping your team's uh, skills relevant while facing the challenges of remote working. And that's Thursday, April 9th at 2 p.m. Uh, U.S. Eastern Time. So head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. Uh, take a look at that. And um, Don, we've got something else going on uh, here right now as... Is, are we? A, I don't know if we're a milkshake duck, but um, <laughs> but we're uh, we're making some things free to educators. I know there's a lot of schools out there right now that can't uh, can't do the regular in classroom training that they're able to do normally, and they're having to send people home. Um, so we've got a few courses that we're opening up. Do you know? Remember what those are? Don? Yeah, we've kind of focused on the the, a, the the CompTIA programs that are really popular amongst high schools and vocational colleges, uh, which is A plus, Network plus, and Security plus. Those three are, are pretty common in the curriculum for those those schools. Uh, so we got a program in place right now that says, hey, if if you're having to convert physical classes to online and you don't have a, a great way to present the the training material. Uh, reach out to us, uh, reach out to IT Pro TV, uh, and we'll provide that free of charge. So for your, your university, for your school, uh, you can give your students access to our A+, our Net+, our Security+, and you can use that video content and that training to be able to educate your students remotely. And then you can still do homework assignments and all that on your own, just like you normally would, uh, but now you actually have training material that's already online. So uh, if you work for or are attending an educational uh organization, facility, School. institution, uh, if you're institutionalized and you want to advance your uh, CompTIA training, uh, just reach out to us or tell the other people of the organization to reach out to us. Yeah, and we will not narc on you um, if you <laughs> aren't paying attention. <laughs> it's minimized. And in none of the episodes, is there a Norwegian man uh, naked? Did, no. did I... I don't think there are. No, we you, you hosted with me and I. you always kept your clothes on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about that, uh, you can email edu.assistance at itpro.tv uh, to find out all about that. And uh, while you're on that internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. Uh, you can get a 30% off coupon code for subscription itpro.tv uh, for your personal plan. And that's the uh, the lifetime of your account that that's 30% off. Uh, and if you are part of a business or a team and you want to find out more about the features they have uh, over there for teams, uh, you can fill out a form on that page at go.itpro.tv slash technado. And someone will reach out to you and tell you those answers to those questions. And uh, last thing, last thing before we let you go, uh, it was April 1st yesterday. And April 1st, we launched a, a special new certification here. Uh, Daniel, that, that you hosted our our, uh, our pen test certification. How exciting was that? It was a lot of fun, right? And Justin got to be a part of that as well. So we always have a good time uh, making those things. But we can get you easily pen test certified. So check that out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you can uh, ink your name on a certificate there, and uh, I'm trying to think of other puns about pens. but It's a great way to leverage your work-from-home isolation time, mm -hmm. get yeah. pen test certified. Yeah, so uh, head over to go.itpro.tv slash pen dash test dash series. I, we put dashes in everything. It's yeah, hard to say. rolls right off the tongue, doesn't but, it? But uh, pen dash test dash series, and uh, you can have some fun with that. But uh, if you got the CRAP certification last year for the Certified Reboot Associate Professional on April 1st, uh, you can get the pen test certification this time. So uh, I've, I've already printed it out. It's on my desk. So certified uh, pen tester. Can't see the air quotes <laughs> if you're just listening, but 
depends. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thank you so much, William, for joining us today and uh, and taking the time uh, out of your schedule. Thank you for having me. And uh, and thank you guys for um, staying away from each other uh, throughout this entire time. And uh, Justin, we promise we will let you out or um, slide some thinly sliced ham uh, right. I just need water. I mean, can we be honest? I'll be all right in here with a bucket and some water for probably about thirty days. Yeah, I mean, there's a cup in there. Just go all no bear grills. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, snakeskin. Why am I squeezing an elephant turd to extract the water out of it? Why is there an elephant turd there? It's hard to live off the land when you're trapped in a commercial office building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a lot of moisture in this carpet if you squeeze it. <laughs> yeah, it's my moisture. Yeah. Oh, I've been sweating and peeing all over it. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much, and thank you all for watching. We'll see you next week right here on Technado with Don Fazette.